what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours. Welcome to the True Performance Show by Ziegler. Every positive pursuit in life, every progression of personal development, change is fueled by one thing, inspiration. It's the drive and the hunger that propels every good endeavor. Without it, we merely have a dream, but never actually move. With it, we can actually overcome insurmountable odds to achieve our desires, convictions, and calling. In this show, we come together to drill down into what really makes success tick and how we can apply it to our unique personal and work lives. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and right now we're going to inspire your true performance. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the True Performance Show by Ziegler. For you longtime listeners, you may notice our new title, A Slight Shift. To this date, we've been The Ziegler Show, inspiring your true performance. The show keeps growing, and we have so many new listeners who find their way here but don't know exactly who Ziegler is. True performance is what we are about, and as Seth Godin said, Zig Ziegler is the grandfather of the the best and brightest in personal development and inspiration. And we bring you just that, the best in today's inspiration and motivation that includes but goes far beyond Zig Ziglar. So the name shift just helps the new listeners know what we're about right off, even if they haven't yet been fortunate enough to know who Zig was and who Ziglar is, which they will then learn. Well, this is show 400. We have an inspiring interview today with Brian Buffini. He has been connected to Ziegler for a long time, and he's speaking uh, speaking of the best in inspiration. I mean, this guy is amazing. Uh, Brian immigrated to the U.S. from Dublin, Ireland in 1986 and has a dramatic rags-to-riches stories, true story, enthralling story. He discovered real estate. He became one of the nation's top real estate agents working a non-traditional methodology based on building long-term relationships with clients. In 1996, he founded Buffini & Company, which has to date trained over 3 million business professionals in 30 countries. Today, he travels the world sharing his inspirational message, which goes far beyond just real estate and business. It's how to live the good life, uh, which we actually, I ask him, what does that mean to him from his definition? We talk about that, but he's known for great wisdom and, and wit. Uh, he's an incredible presenter. His ability to take concepts and simplify them into usable content is well known. And he's also just uh, a great guy, fun guy to listen to. So Buffini and company, his company is celebrating the 20th anniversary this year. Along the way in his story, he married Olympic athlete Beverly Buffini. They have six kids and live in San Diego, California. So, I mean, we're here to give you killer actionable steps for success. But I got to tell you, this interview will entertain you and give you some laughs as well. Brian is just a great character. The foundation, though, well, you know what? Here, I'm going to give you a quick quote from Brian that I wrote down. I believe you got to you got to learn from the past and the wisdom of the past. You know, today's world, we're we're drowning in information and starving for wisdom. 
All right, folks. So we drilled down into, in this show, into dissecting the main topics from Brian's new show, his new podcast, Brian Buffini Show. And the main points that he hits on there that he goes over in each show and that we're going to just get into today are the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. I mean, if you've listened to many Ziegler shows, you know that my focus is taking the big and sometimes sometimes even pithy statements and asking how we literally, within the context of our real lives that include you know, spouses and kids and mortgages and cars in the shop and debt and demanding jobs and tight finances or abundant finances, both can create possible problems. But how do we uh, truly affect positive change in our lives amongst those realities. And so that's what we do is we take these concepts that people have found and experienced in their lives and they want to share and we break them down. That's what we're going to do with Brian today. Right before we dive in, many of you listening to this will have just celebrated Father's Day. Tom Ziegler gave just a great a precious tribute to his dad, Zig Ziglar, on Facebook. It's worth checking out. Just type in Zig Ziglar at Facebook and you'll find it. Just scroll down. Uh, it's a great time for me to thank my dad, Dan Miller, who most of you know from 48days.com and his book, 48 Days of the Work You Love, who's done a lot of shows and always does, always is a, is a willing guest host to have on that I have a blast with. Uh, but he gave me so much, including my early introduction and upbringing with a solid education and the messages of success from Zig and Brian Tracy and Dale Carnegie and more. So just what a, a grateful time it is. Myself, hey, I was so honored by my seven kids this weekend. We took seven kayaks and a canoe out on our high mountain lake and just enjoyed God's creation and each other's company. I, I felt wealthy beyond belief. Getting to father those kids showcases mercy to me. I mean, unmerited favor that I'd have the honor to be their daddy. Leaving a legacy. I mean, that's a primary focal point here at the True Performance Show by Ziegler. And Father's Day is a great time to contemplate the legacy we are leaving others, whether it's our kids or anyone else we connect with. Hey, speaking of family, we have not gotten more direct testimonies for any one specific show we have ever done, more than the two that I did with my wife, Terry, on marriage. True story. Uh, it's amazing to, to see that and to continue to hear that. Tom uh, Ziegler, matter of fact, he was just not long ago, did a three-day event with Brian Tracy, and he said of the people who came up and testified about the show, multiple ones commented on those specific shows. So a topic that my wife, Terry, and I have uh, been tapped to cover for, for audiences many times over is entrepreneurship in marriage. I spent a lot of my vocational time helping people transition from traditional employment to self-employment and marriage and relationships was often a common topic. So we spoke on that a lot. Well, this is interesting. You know, in 2007, we built a house. Often when you mention building a home, people talk about the strain it put on their marriage. Well, we did do that. We designed it, did the general contracting and much of the literal hands-on labor. It was challenging. It's a big 4,800 square foot alternative house that actually has straw bale walls up in the national forest. So it was, it was even more challenging. But folks, you know what? It wasn't near as challenging as some of the issues you deal with in the entrepreneurial pursuit with your spouse uh, or significant other. We did about everything that you could do wrong. Uh, and my wife, would say, my wife and I would probably say I did most of it wrong, but she did a little. Uh, but we learned from it so we could try to save you from some of the well-intended but nonetheless stupid things that we did. So have you got questions 
about pursuing self-employment and having your spouse on board, uh, shoot, we're asking you to give us those. We're going to do a show on it. Go to ask.ziggler.com to write or record your question or experience. If you record it, we may use the recording in a show, or you can email us if you would rather do it that way at ask at zigshow.com. Uh, you know what? I gave out that first, uh, that first URL wrong. It's ask.zigshow.com, not Ziggler. Don't do ask Ziggler. Ask.zigshow.com uh, as a URL or ask at zigshow.com if you want to email it. Uh, feel free to share what you did right or wrong in your own experience as well. We'll use it in that upcoming show where we're going to hit the good, the bad, and the downright tragic of entrepreneurship and marriage. And of course, the victorious and overcoming stories as well. My wife and I, again, have experienced all of them multiple times. All right. Well, hey, folks, with no further ado, I bring you the interview Tom Ziegler and I had with Brian Buffini. Get ready to be inspired. Brian, so hey, so many glorious things to devote ourselves to and give our time to. But today, you set aside time from the wealth of your life to give to us, to Tom, me, and this Ziegler audience. Thank you. Well, pleasure being on with you guys. A real honor. Looking forward to spending the time with you guys. Likewise. And you have history with Ziegler, with Zig, with Tom, with the whole family. Where did you first get exposed to Zig? What was going on in your life at that time? Well, I was the classic uh, immigrant, came to America, 92 bucks in my wallet, a duffel bag. And um, I met a gentleman who was trying to get me into real estate sales. And he said, I want you to come to this seminar with me. And he brought me to a success seminar in San Diego. And I heard uh, Zig Ziglar, Lou Holtz, and Tommy Hopkins. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of seminars and a lot of blogs and a lot of podcasts and a lot of material out today and you can you can get a lot of stuff and access stuff but i'm going to tell you in about three hours i got more good content that set the sail of my life and changed my life forever in that one day so um i had never ever in my life and i actually don't think ever since did i stand in line to go uh and talk to a speaker or an author or whatever else but i stood in a big old long line and I actually remember getting a book. And I now, you know, 15 years later, I recognize the dude that sold me the book was none other than Tom Ziegler. But um, so I got a book, I got a photo, and I got a signature from Zig Ziegler. And I've never done it before and never done it since. But that, I remember that day I went, something happened here today. I don't even know what it is. But it's, uh, it, it was the beginning of what has become a, a pretty interesting life. Well, so I'm going to jump ahead. I know we're going to get into talking some about your show, folks, the Brian Buffini show, but I got to mention it here because here you're citing Zig, Zig, a guy you got to know that you got to interview yourself. And now today, here you are on his show. And then uh, Lou Holtz uh, was at that, who you interviewed in one of your first uh, first shows. So what an incredible fruition is that. So we're going to come back to that. But folks, I will say right off the bat, please go to uh, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you get into, and search for The Brian Buffini Show. It's a relatively new show that uh, he's knocking out of the park with it already. Um, well, Brian, you... Are were initially known as a real estate superstar. You've authored multiple books, 
you've been married 25 years to a woman who's mothered your six children, which is worthy of a gold medal, which is fitting since uh, Beverly was a, a USA Olympic volleyball player. But now uh, you seem to be set on inspiring the world. And I know one of your terms is to live the good life. And I want to start there. When someone talks about achieving success, it begs the question, of course, of how that person defines success. So I'll ask you, when you say you want to help folks live the good life, how are you defining that? Sure. Well, again, my journey was I got into real estate, became pretty successful at it. And about seven, eight years into my career, you know, I went from being broke to being debt free in two years to being a millionaire by the time I was 26. Well, then you would get invited to a lot of these real estate conferences and they say, tell us how you do it. And I would share these simple processes of how I took care of customers and exceeded their expectations. And there'd be a line of people waiting to talk to me around the building. And more and more people want to know, how do you do this and how do you succeed? And so it was after a few years of that that I decided to actually start a training company, which was originally called Providence Seminars. And um, and it just took off. And, you know, within a period of time, we were just seeing hundreds of thousands of people each year coming to our programs. And they kept wanting more. You know, okay. And, and you know, the Ziegler organization knows as well, you know, people come and they get a, an event, but they go, okay, now what do I do? And so we provided some resources and we provided them resources and they go, now what do I do? So we started providing them coaching and this was back in the, in the early nineties. And so now, you know, we've coached and trained 3 million people in 37 countries on how to, we, we developed a referral system. So here's how to grow an entrepreneur's business, generate referrals, be, create advocates, but every entrepreneur can only go as far as they grow themselves. So more and more, 50% of our coaching became, okay, here's how, you, here's how you work this system to grow your business, and here's how you work these systems to grow yourself. Mm-hmm. And so more and more and more, uh, the demand came for uh, doing events, programs, and even coaching in this field. And that's why, you know, I talk about this stuff, you know, I have great honor to become a, a friend of Zig and Jim Rohn and Lou Holtz and you name it, all these characters. What I always tell people is I didn't need to become these men's friend. I had already been mentored by them, by their materials, by their, you know, back in the day for those who are millennials, we had things called cassette tapes. And so, you know, I had the tapes and the books and the CDs. And I had been mentored by these guys when, before I ever met them. You know, when I first went to dinner with uh, Tom and, and Zig, we, they came out to visit our company and, um, speak to our staff, um, you know, we had dinner and it was, it was like old friends. I was like, there was, there was very little Zig said at dinner that I hadn't heard because I had every single program he had ever listened to. He was cracking some jokes at my kids and my kids were finishing his funny lines. You know, weren't you from Yazoo city, Mississippi? I mean, they were doing the whole thing because I kind of knew him. And that's why, you know, in our culture today, people are very starstruck and celebrity driven. And I say, you know what? Uh, you don't have to be the groupie and you don't have to have all the personal connection. For me, becoming friends with these guys was a great blessing. Uh, but the truth is, I'd already been blessed all I needed to, and the materials did that for me. You know, Brian, it, it, it just reflects back on this, that when I think of Dad and he tells his story about his career, when he figured it out, when the man spoke into his life, P.C. Merrill, and said, if you believe in yourself, you could be a great one, you could be a champion. Then his career took off, and the companies around him said, why don't you train our salespeople? And everybody thought, he's going to train technical sales skills. Right. 
And then almost immediately, as dad would do that, he would go, you know what? That's good, but that's not what they need. Dad always said this, you can put the right skill on the wrong person. doesn't make any difference. So for those of you listening, uh, when I've been to Brian's events, and they are amazing, and they're, they're there because they're feeding people and people are doing well in their career, the technical skill is important, but it's, I would say what I've heard, it's less than 20 or 30% of what you cover. It's the foundation that matters. Yeah. Well, again, you know, just like with, let's say, back in traditional sales, people buy emotionally and justify logically. What do most people do? They spend all their time on the logical justification. Well, it doesn't matter if you know what the facts and the figures and the, 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 the composition of this product versus that product. But if somebody's not emotionally connected to it, it doesn't matter. And similarly, we teach a system that's very simple. You know, we started in the real estate training. Our average client today, you know, just in our real estate, we have 43 different businesses we coach. In our real estate clientele, they sell one out of every eight homes in the United States, one out of every seven homes in Canada, okay? Um, over $650 billion worth of transactions. Well, the dynamic is it's a very simple system. It's fundamental, requires some work. It's very simple. What's not simple is people aren't simple. Getting somebody to do something two days in a row the same way. Getting somebody to get out of bed. You know, a lot of times entrepreneurs, salespeople, a lot of times we're like greyhound or, or thoroughbred horses. You know, sometimes they don't want to leave the stall. And so it's like, how do you get someone out of bed? How do you get someone to do something consistently? How to handle rejection? How to, how to handle setbacks? How to handle when life happens? I just talked to a very good friend of mine today. He's a very, very successful guy whose sister is terminally ill. And this guy is a champion. He's been a champion his whole life. He's having a hard time getting through the day. And so I can come to him and say, hey, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this. It doesn't matter. Here's a list of things. Here's, here's a whole list of things. Here's another book with a list of things. It doesn't matter. You know what he needs right now is the, the support and the connection to keep one oar in the water so he doesn't capsize. So it doesn't start with he has this emotional challenge going on with his family that doesn't translate into a business challenge, then a financial challenge, and then a challenge for his family. Um, you know, and that's how life happens. So business is easy. People are hard. And, uh, so this good life, you know, I, we talk about it's a good life and people say, why don't you say it's a great life? Well, first of all, if you read the first chapter of Genesis, it says it's a good life. It's, it's, uh, God made the heavens and the earth. He said it was good. He said, man, a woman, that was good. And this is good. And the earth is good. And so I'm not going to go better than that. And the second thing is that in the midst of this good life, there's tragedy and difficulty. You know, Tom, your dad wrote a, a very powerful book after your sister passed. Um, you know, and so there is tragedy in this life. There's difficulty. And that's what, you know, one of the things that I have, I, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, that would be, became very popular uh, for some of the modern guys to take a lot of shots at Zig Ziglar back in the day. And motivation is this and motivation is that. And, you know, it's putting lipstick on a pig. It's only just, you know, it's candy. And here's the thing. There's a toughness to being positive. There's a depth of character to being optimistic. Uh, there's a strength to that. Zig Ziglar went through some, some challenges in his life and his family and different things and business and cycles. And Zig experienced some challenges, but by golly, he was a positive guy the whole time. And that takes toughness. It doesn't take any toughness to be a cynic. It doesn't take any toughness to be uh, uh, cynical or, or down. That, just, just go with the flow. You'll be depressed and just like everybody else. But it takes a lot to be positive, and it takes a toughness to it. And so, you know, that's where mo mindset, motivation, methodologies are where we come from 
you know, so that's the head, it's the heart, and then what you do. And that's what I want to dive in with you, though I do want to, again, folks, uh, let you know, March 17th of this year, we're in, we're in 2016, for those of you who may be listening later, but you launched your podcast, uh, Brian, The Brian mm-hmm. Buffini Show. Again, folks, go find it in iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, but your first show, Explore, just what you said there, uh, the theme of your podcast, the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. And I want to break some of those down uh, with you. Though in your next uh, and only second podcast, you interviewed John O'Leary, the author of On Fire, who we've got as a come, uh, uh, coming up in an interview. Um, yeah, great Great yeah, story. I'm so. I, but that, that was one where I was contacted, I think, by a publicist or something. I, I usually just put those on the back burner. Say no. I watched a little bit of his video. I thought, oh my gosh, we got to have this guy. So, oh, yeah. uh, so stoked that you did that. But then episode three of your new podcast, you gave us. I mean, I feel like you, you peaked. You gave us Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar on stage together. One of the last, or no, the last time at your event, Mastermind Summit in Florida, and you said that Jim Rohn was your uh, champion of mindset. Ziegler, Zig Ziglar was your champion of motivation. And so on that, with those two guys, with your perspective of being privy to so many people in that industry, so many people that had steps to this, steps to that, and yet here I hear you were drawn to, let's get to the core of it, with those two guys. Uh, as I was thinking about this, I, I was interested, What if you took two main po- points from those guys, not the best points overall necessarily from them, but the ones that resonated the most with you, the ones you'd want to impart to your kids if you had one right. shot, what would they be? Well, I'll give you a little context on this just for a sec, because yeah. first and foremost, I believe you gotta you got to learn from the past and the wisdom of the past. You know, today's world, we're, we're drowning in information and starving for wisdom. And those two guys were full of wisdom. If you come to Buffini Company, we have hundreds and hundreds of employees, coaches, trainers, teachers, and all the other departments that go into a company. But you'll see, and, and Tom, you've seen this, the Ziegler Conference Room. You'll see the, the Stephen Covey Training Center. You'll see the Ogmandino Library. And you'll see the Jim Rohn Conference Rooms. And I have parts of our buildings in our, we have four buildings in our campus that are dedicated to these guys as well as dedicated to that because of the impact they've had on me. And so I didn't just attend these events, and I just didn't buy all their material. I devoured it. I I knew this. I knew it was time. I can't tell you the number of times, and even after we became friends, Tom, I would be calling up Tom to reorder tapes that I had snapped the tape because I had listened to the doggone thing so often. Thank God for how we can listen to content now. So I didn't just listen to it. I devoured it, and then the last thing is I applied it. Mm -hmm. And so that stuff became part of me. And it's not just tickling the ears. So my kids, I got six of them. They've gone on to do pretty good things. My son is a four-year college player uh, in SMU in Texas uh, as a wide receiver. We homeschooled our kids. And they, the first time my kid took a class was at SMU. Mm. And he graduated with honors. He's now a special forces in the military. My daughter is a U.S. national champion horse rider going on to an Olympic career herself. Um, and I tell you this, and my boys are basketball players, and my girls are 14 years of age and have already been offered scholarship to play college volleyball. Um, and just all i got to say is thank God for the African-American gene my wife has. So that's enough <laughs> said about that. But my kids have witnessed me doing this, and I think that's a big thing. And that's something, you know, again, I got from raising positive kids in a negative world. Your kids are watching you rather than listening to you. But yeah. from Jim Rohn, I got you can enhance and change how you think. And I was not, when I came from Ireland, I just didn't, 
I thought it was, you know, you are what your father is, you do what your father did. You know, I grew up in, in, a, in a very impoverished situation and, you know, looking in the different environments, just the ability that you can actually change your thinking as opposed to it's a condition or this is how you're born, or, this is your lot in life. And then for Zig to give me, um, you're in charge of your attitude, that life isn't what happens. So your attitude is not what happens to you. Your attitude is what hap- you happen to live your life and, you know, that Zig talk to me and you know I have it all the time I most people say that motivation doesn't laugh neither does, neither does bathing that's why we recommend it daily you know I mean I've said that line a thousand times my kids have heard it a thousand times and then my kids will quote that line a thousand times you know Brian how do you stay positive all the time I don't I stay positive most of the time you know just like I don't stay clean all the time and so uh, you know being able to change your thinking and been able to be in charge of your attitude and do something about that on a daily basis. And that took a 19-year-old immigrant who had not a lot of discernible skills, bottom half of his class, as Lou Holtz would say, that's why there was a top half. And I became a self-development guy, a millionaire by the time I was 26, and then been able to build a business to do whatever I wanted to do, and it was coach and train people all over the world. And it was because of the input of I put in my head and heart, and then the applications of what I did with it. Well, I'm inspired and hooked. We're going to continue with Brian right after we recognize our sponsor for this show, Earth Class Mail. Earth Class Mail moves your snail mail to the cloud, giving you instant access 24-7 and integrates with the tools and services you use every day. It's crazy that we've moved everything we do for business over to the digital world, but still need to pick up, sort, and manage physical mail. In my rural area that I live in, we don't even have personal email boxes. We pick ours up four miles away. 95% of it is junk that we immediately throw away. And I feel like what a wasted stop or trip with Earth Class Mail, you can get all your mail scanned and accessible online 24-7. You can search your mail, send invoices over to your accounting software, sync important documents into cloud storage, deposit checks, and really just make running your whole business and life a whole lot easier. You also get a real professional address to share publicly with customers, business partners, and investors. And you'll never need to worry about someone showing up at your front door if you run your business from home. Earth Class Mail is a brilliant solution that's perfect for businesses and independent entrepreneurs of all types. So visit earthclassmail.com slash Ziggler and you'll get your first month of service free when you sign up. Again, that's earthclassmail.com slash Ziggler. So you're coaching and training people, but then within your own business, and you talked about hundreds of employees. So you have people who you're looking at the bottom line. Uh, so you are, look, I mean, you, you need, you need performance as you talk about that. We are drowning information, dying for wisdom, and that so much of the business development ends up in personal development. I'm curious as a guy who, I mean, this is your livelihood, how much effort, if you took a percentage actually ends up being on the personal development side, because it's a topic we end up on a lot here, Brian, that people yeah, think I'm going to go get the how to. I mean, it's more than half. I okay. think. I'll be honest with you, and I'm going to be real candid with you guys. A lot of reasons why people poo-poo the how-tos is because they don't have any how-tos to offer. they got nothing to sell. They don't have a system. They don't have a structure to sell, so they go, it's 80%. It's 90% motivation, or it's 90% uh, you know, personal development. Well, I understand that because you don't have a system. All I can tell you is 
you know, we have tens of thousands of clients we coach. And when people come here and physically tour the facilities and see what we do and how we do it, it we're teaching people on a system. Yeah. And it's important. I will say the more than half of it, more than half of it is the self-development. I believe you can double your income as fast as you double your self-esteem. I believe that's a fact. Um, I believe you'll only grow as fast as you grow yourself. I believe pity the man who grows his income and then doesn't grow himself and becomes poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, it's, 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 it's very important that we don't say there's nothing to it. And that's why for us, it's mindset, grow your thinking, what you believe, what you think. Motivation is your drive, your goals, and your attitude. Okay, and that's something that Ziegler has done a good a job on as any company ever invented. And then, then it gets into methodologies, which is what do I do? And I, I'm just the I'm, I'm, here's my thing is this: I I built a coaching company because I was all about results. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's it wouldn't be what I would encourage someone else to do. I've had people tour our, our facilities. And I go, if you want to make money, this wouldn't be the first, second, or third thing I'd have you do. <laughs> because a lot of people have gone broke trying to do it. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, I want to see somebody change their business, change their life. You need accountability. You need encouragement. And you need routines and things to follow. Um, and so for me, the methodologies are systems, um, are routines, and habits. And I know you guys have been doing a lot of work on habits and well, I think it's, and it's that's very, and that's where I want to dive into. But even hearing you say that, Brian, for those who are sitting out here listening, say even at a fifty percent, I mean the the amount of people who are spending fifty percent of their time uh, on personal development, as opposed to just looking for the how to, I think that's significant. If we can even draw people closer to that line, oh. it will be life changing. Oh, yeah. well, and I think it's greater than fifty percent. I really do. I, I do think it's that. And I, I will say this, you know, uh, for us, what we have tracked because we have. We have coached in an in-depth fashion hundreds of thousands of people. We have people who've been with us for 20 years. We have client anniversary, 20 years, 19, 17, 16 years. I have coaches. The average coach at our company is with us 11 years. I got, I got buildings full of these people. And we've tracked everything. We have our own database system. We have our own CRM system so we can track the numbers. And here's what I'm going to say to you. Every dollar I have seen invested in self-development has produced no less than a $40 return Wow! on the highest end. On the, on the, for someone going to an event, so when you guys have someone going to your event or someone getting materials, it's closer to $200. And, and you know, I, I mean, we've been tracking this for 20 years, and we, I have data up the wazoo on this. If you, can, if you walk up to somebody and said, you give me 1000 bucks, and I'm going to give you a 200%, 200 uh, times return on that they do it in a second Mm -hmm. but the investment they they do it on a stock they might do it on a real estate deal they might do it on a scam but to think of themselves investing in themselves it's the hardest thing because a person has to value themselves and understand that every audience i've ever spoken to i've asked this question for 20 years how many of you in here believe you have some untapped potential what do you think the response is 100 (laughs) percent And yet, I have untapped potential. I know I have. And now it gets down to a question of develop, investing in myself. You know, in our system, people come to our events and they go, they're surrounded by people who have been hugely successful for years and years and years. So they know the system works. It's common sense. The question is, do they work? Yeah. 
And that's the little question inside the voices. Do I believe in myself? The number one question we've been asked in 20 years of doing business is to walk up to our sales staff and go, what's the failure rate? Because mm. they think I'm going to be the one out of the hundred that fails. And it's the most common question. Wow. So at the end of the day, you know, it gets back to that mindset. What do you believe? Do you believe in yourself? Do you believe in your own value? Do you believe if you got these materials, if you went to this event, if you got in this coaching, if you did this program, you'd actually grow? And mentally, they know it's true, but in their heart of hearts, do they believe it? That's the question. So, so Brian, when we have people who who come and they kick the tires and they leave and they don't do it, and they come and they kick the tires and they leave and they don't do it, and then they do it. Mm. So what do they tell you? I want to see if it's the same thing that they tell us. Now they've been doing it a year. What do they always say? Well, I should have done it a long time ago. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. The only you mistake know? I made was waiting. Yep. It is. And, it, you know, it's just, you know, and they have to be ready. And I get that. And, you know, we, we're thankfully in a situation we've had, we have a waiting list in, for our coaching program. And it's funny, the more, our, you know, our, our, all of our key events are sold out a year in advance. Um, all of our coaching is right now on a, a three or four month waiting look. And it's funny because now it's all on waiting lists. They want to get into it more, which is, again, human nature. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is um, it, it's all about belief in themselves. And for some folks, they've never had anybody believe in them. For some folks, they've never had anybody talk to them. And, you know, we have to come from that compassion. I had a mom that told me my whole life, if you look up in the dictionary, Irish mother, my her face is there. <laughs> Classic little Irish mother. And she, every day, you can do it, Briny. You can do it, Briny. You can do it. You know, Tom, I was with you. I've been on the golf course with you. Your dad spoke into your life every day, and he was your biggest fan. Here's the thing. Um, not everybody gets that. You know, I mean, Kevin, I, I don't know. I know of your dad and, and, and his career, but I, was, was he a guy that encouraged you and spoke into your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's the thing. Just so you know, we have a lot to be thankful for, and not everybody got that. Yeah. And that's really where it comes from. And, and so when they meet a, people like us that really have, yeah, we run businesses and we do this and we do that. But at the end of the day, our motivation for doing this is the passion to serve and help. And uh, for some people, they have a hard time receiving, my gosh, this guy actually believes in me and wants to help me. Yeah. I, was, I was speaking in uh, Seattle and this man about 60 comes up to me. You know how they wait until nobody's around? Yep, yep. With a tear in his eye. He looked at me and he said, is there hope for me? Mm -hmm. And his yeah. story was when he was born, his older sister, he was like the 10th kid, wrapped him up in swaddling clothes in Canada, took him out to the barn in the dead of winter to show his dad. And his dad's first words to him, to his sister were, get that piece of trash out of here. Mm. We have no idea the blessing we have. And we also, there are literally thousands of people that I've met personally who have a similar experience who changed their family tree mm -hmm. because they changed the input in their life. Yep. Because there is hope. It's hard, but there is hope. You've just got to change the input. And, and you can. I mean, no one in my family's ever had a dime. No one in my family's ever come from that place. I mean, uh, historically. And, you know, my mom is really excited about it today. 
You know, they live in Ireland. They're real excited. Brian broke the family curse and figured it out. <laughs> they, my old man hasn't worked in 25 years. They've golfed all over the world, Augusta, Pebble Beach. They're like, you go, Brian. We believe in you now. Now, my dad, when I first came to America, he's like, you better be a painter. That's all we know. I went into real estate. What are you doing? You don't know anything about real estate. When I became successful in real estate, I'm going into the speaking business. What are you doing? My mother's calling me. Brian, you got your degree in accounting. You need to be an accountant. What? What are you doing? Now, 15 years later, they're like, Brian, this is great. Whatever you're doing, keep doing. <laughs> That's awesome. Cheered me all the way to the bank, you know. But not everybody gets it. And I think it's important. I think it's always important to come from a spirit of compassion. I think out of your compassion comes your passion. You know, I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like to have fear. I know what it's like, and I remember that. And that still the passion and the, the place that I come from. That still drives me more now than ever before. And meeting these folks, you know, Tom, th- th- there's nothing like getting out face-to-face, voice-to-voice and belly-to-belly with folks who are going through it, yeah. who are going through it. And there are people who have experienced things. As people listen to this podcast, they've experienced stuff. You know, my mother used to say, God builds the back for the burden. There, there are people who are fans of your guys and fans of mine that if I had their experience, it would have broken my back. They were made for that. We get a chance to encourage folks, meet them where they are, but there's one universal principle I know. Everybody can change. Yeah. It ain't easy. It's hard. hard work. You can change what you think. You can change your internal motivations, and you can change what you do. And if you, you change enough of that, you can, you can get where you want to go to. You know, everybody wants to, everybody wants to get to heaven. No one wants to die to get there, right? <laughs> and uh, everybody wants to change their circumstances, but not everybody wants to change themselves. And, you know, another of my mentors, Lou Tice, used to say, all permanent lasting change starts on the inside and works its way to the outside. So that's why I'm excited to be on this with you guys. I love the work that you're doing, and uh, I pray you continue to be blessed and and bless others doing it. Well, we're blessed because we keep bringing people, folks like you, and we get to sit here and be students. Um, I feel like I'm, I, I, get the best, I get the best piece of the deal right here. Well, mindset, motivation, methodologies. I want to hit on each of those, and we have been yeah. talking around them, but as you have sure. those as focal points with mindset, even as you've been talking about it in our discussion so far, you've multiple times come back to self-image, believing in yourself. We're talking about the value of our parents, our upbringing, people believing in us. Whether we have that or not, we're still left with self-image, believing in yourself. So when you look at the, ter- the, the topic of mindset that you lead off with uh, a couple of questions. One, is that one of the primary aspects of it is self-image that you find yourself bringing people to? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's how you think yep. and what you believe. Okay. How you think and what you believe. Um, you know, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about others. You know, I, I teach a system that's designed to create, build relationships with your customers, exceed their expectations, turn them into advocates, and they refer you. Well, if you happen to believe that most people are not givers, that most people are takers and just out for their own good, that, that system of generating referrals is not going to work for you until you go working on that belief system. You know, growing up in Ireland, we'd be on the street corner, and it was a socialist country that was kind of, in the 1980s, Ireland was a third world country. And a guy would go by in a Rolls Royce, and the guys in the neighborhood would say, I wonder who he had to screw over to get that. And the philosophy was, if someone had more, someone else had less. If someone had a lot, he had to be dishonest to get there. Well, that's a philosophy. So when I came to America, I found out two things about myself economically. I found out I was broke, 
and I was poor. I didn't know. I didn't know that I was broke as a state of account, but poor was a state of mind. So when I started working in America, I went from broke to not broke, but because my thinking was still poor, I'd find a way to empty that bank account. And I would go and I would sit down and I found people I knew in the community and a church and places I met who were very successful economic people who were real nice people. And I took them to lunch and I'd ask them their advice. And they'd give me advice and they'd recommend a book and I'd start reading the book. And Jim Rohn, The Richest Man in Babylon, and I'd go read that book and so on and so forth. So how you think and then what you believe is a big deal. Uh, I mentioned earlier on, you know, you double your income as fast as you double your self-esteem. Sounds great in a seminar. Totally true. Totally true, because your, your self-image, as you call it, your value, you go on an appointment and say, this is, this is it. You know, I, I'd go on an appointment, and once I started, when I was for early in my real estate career, and someone would ask me to cut my fees, and I would shrivel up into a ball. Now, as I grew my self-image, the same person would ask me, I'd just start laughing. I was like, really? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and the reason is because I, I know what I bring to the table. They're like, Brian, we'd like you to do this for half. I'm like, I bet you would. <laughs> But I, you're asking me right now to demonstrate what kind of negotiator I am. And guess what? If I throw my money away, just think about how quickly I'll throw your money away. I wouldn't do that to you. So press hard here. There's four copies. Let's get this going. You just hired yourself a great negotiator. And I do it smiling the whole time. And they'd be laughing. <laughs> you're great. Let me sign this. Great. You know, I, did I change the dialogue? Nope. Did I, was it the words? Nope. It was the spirit of it. Because I, I started believing in myself. Um, so how you think and what you believe, you can change that. Elevate, elevate your, you know, your associations, your intake. What are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you watching? Um, well, it's, you know, and that stuff obviously is across the board. Anybody, everyone listening, that's a hundred percent relevant for now you give some special focus because of your business and because of what you do in leading coaches and trainers and training them to go out and do that. So entrepreneurs, people who are self-employed. Do you have some specific yeah. aspects of mindset development that you relay to them even more so? Absolutely. Well, again, first of all, you know, uh, a lot of people will go, I'm not good with money. I'm not good with details. I'm always late. Um, you know, you can't make it in this industry. Um, right now, the oil and gas business is down, so everyone in oil and gas is losing money. You know, it's not true. I had dinner with a guy last night who's killing it in the oil and gas business. But I've got a bunch of resumes coming in from Texas right now for people who are getting killed in the oil and gas business. They're all in the same industry. Why is one guy killing it and one guy not? It's because the way they're looking at it. And so, you know, I, a great little book, a book that I actually for some reason got overlooked in the great genres was The Magic of Thinking Big. You know, everybody talks about Think and Grow Rich, which is fabulous, and, and how to win friends and influence people, which is fabulous. But the magic of thinking big, um, you know, there's a book that's talking about, hey, in the 1950s, one day there's going to be a, a tunnel between England and France. You know, one day we're going to put a man on the moon. And one day, and, and this guy was talking about this stuff and how, how he would help people get jobs and how he would help people fill out their resume, how he'd help people grow their business. I've seen the same thing happen with people in their businesses who, you know, we had a woman, for example, in our coaching program, and she's working with a coach. Within 18 months, she doubles her income, which is about our norm, okay? And so she doubles her income. The following year, she just makes a series of boneheaded decisions, most of which she didn't discuss with her coach. Ends up in trouble. They rebuild. They recover. Takes two years. Gets right back on track. Doubles her income again. 
goes dark, goes silent, makes a bunch of bonehead decisions, buys a bunch of real estate she can't afford, gets in trouble again. So finally the coach is like, what is going on here? Well, this is a 51-year-old woman that at nine years of age, her daddy told her, you're never going to amount to anything. Mm. And she was driven, the most driven person you ever met. She worked and she worked and she worked. But in the back of her mind, guess what she believed? I'm never going to amount to anything. So what, what caused her the most problems? When she would succeed. What caused her the most problems? When she had money in her bank account. And as soon as she was doing well, she would hit the self-destruct button because in the back of her mind, she believed what she heard as a nine-year-old girl. We had to go to work with her on dispelling a nine-year-old belief in order to help her work a simple little system in her business. And and today that woman's a multimillionaire, but it wasn't because she learned better dialogues or better techniques. It was because she learned how to go back and, in that case, heal up that wound, forgive her dad, move on. She wrote a letter to the man who had passed a number of years before, blessed him, asked his, you know, forgave him, you know, and, and then moved on. And that dynamic led to a philosophy change in her life that once she put the motivation in place and the methodology in place, she went and fulfilled more of her destiny. So, you know, as you go, what do people say? I need to work harder. I need to put in more hours. Really? Okay. We, uh, here's a simple one, right? Because I have lots of stories like this, guys. We could be here all day, so you have to stop me because <laughs> we've coached lots of people. We had another gal, great gal, and every year she would hit this certain number. She did 150000 in her income, and no matter what she did, she's 23 years in the business. She did 150, boom, and the brakes were gone. The brakes were gone. So the coach is like, well, you have all this talent. You have all this ability. What's going on here? Starts working with her, working with her. Well, here's the thing. Well, my house doesn't quite look the way it is. And I'm not quite cooking the way I need to cook. And I said, well, why don't, why don't you hire a house cleaner? <gasps> oh, my gosh. She just said like this. She, was, she thought it was like a swear word. How about you get someone to come in one day a week? Oh, I could never do that. I could never. Turns out this gal's mom was like a Betty Crocker from the 50s. Huh. And her identity as a woman was in how well you kept the house and how, what kind of food you prepared, and if there was a seam in your husband's pants, and the whole thing. So we helped this gal eventually, you know, hire one day a week. She brings in a cleaner, and then two days a week. And she's like, what's my husband going to think? And she goes, go ask your husband. He's like, I really like this cleaning lady. She's really good at this stuff. <laughs> By the way, you're terrible at it. Next thing you know, they got a gal coming in five days a week. Next thing you know, they got someone coming in and doing the meals. That lady, last year, it's six hundred and thirty thousand dollars in revenue. Wow, wow! And she spends about thirty-five grand a year on a cleaning lady and someone who helps out with the ham family, whatever else. But what was the deal? What was she working on? Was it a technique? Was it the cleaning lady's secret to success? Is the new best-selling book? No, it was a mindset piece. It was a parental commandment that she taken on board and said, in order for me to be a good woman and a good mother. I have to be able to do this stuff, which she was no good at, by the way. But she was great in sales, and she was great in business. And a woman who made 150 grand a year every year is now making 630 because she changed her her mindset. Well, so and I want to go on to motivation here, but I, I can't leave this. You've mentioned twice, if not more, the word philosophy. And mm-hmm. for those of you who mindset may be a, a bit of a of a broad based word, I mean philosophy. I hear you in essence saying we all have a philosophy. We're all living by a philosophy, whether it's intentional or not. And I hear you calling us to an intentional philosophy that gets us beyond whatever's holding us back. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. You can enhance it. You can improve it. So motivation. 
I mean, this is the Ziggler show. You know, we, we love motivation. It's the fuel, as yep. Zig said. But even with that knowledge, we all admittedly struggle with motivation from time to time. So from your vast experience here that we've been hearing about leading thousands who desire to progress and succeed in their lives, do you find that people often don't have a clear motivation or they do, but it's simply not strong enough or both? Well, well, I, look again, and, and again, I, you know, um, I'm not. I don't go to invite Chinese people over to my house and cook Chinese food. I don't bring Mexicans over to my house and cook Mexican food, and I don't go on the Ziegler show and start teaching on motivation. But I'm at, we're asking, we're asking. I, w- I will say this: Zig Ziegler said something to me, maybe a year and a half before he passed, which stuck with me and kind of haunted me a little bit. But Zig had come to a number of our events and so on and so forth, and he said, "Brian, there's one thing I wish I'd have done." that I regret. He goes, I taught goals my whole life. But he said, when I've come to your events, you take time to have the people actually stop in the event and write a goal. Hmm. And he said, if I had one thing I could do over my career, he goes, it would be, I would have had taken the time to have them write the goal and not just teach them about the goal. And it kind of bugged me for a while because, you know, you were, he was your dad, Tom, but he was kind of a spiritual dad to me. And I didn't like the fact that I was doing something that he wished he had a dog that caused him a regret. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> so, but here's what I will say. Less than 3% of people have written goals. Mm-hmm. 92% of the people in the top 2% of net worth in the USA have written goals. Uh, you know, this study started out in Harvard in the 1960s, and we know people who have goals in mind. We have people who have no goals. But at the end of the day, a written goal and when what gets written down gets done. And so when you have written goals that align with your values, when your values are clear, your decisions become easy. That becomes a game changer. And that is something that I have done at every event that I've given for 20 years. No matter how pressed I was for time or be honest with you, how much content I wanted to share, I have disciplined myself to say, I know I got more to talk about. But right now, I need to get this stuff out of people's heads, out of their hearts, and onto a piece of paper. And that has been the most transformative thing. And I'm going to say this. You show me somebody without a set of written goals, and I'll show you somebody whose motivations are not clear to them. Hmm. And, and a goal by definition, a bit by Mr. Webster, in the 1828 dictionary that I was referred to so <laughs> often by his daddy, would say this. It is the end to which all effort is directed. And what I find with most people is they waste a lot of effort and they waste a lot of time and they end up got, not getting what they want to get done accomplished. Okay. And a goal in writing is the end to which all effort is directed. So to me, you have an ability to cultivate a natural drive, you have written goals, and then work on your attitude. Those are the three ingredients for me in motivation. Drive, goals, and attitude. Yeah, it's great. I tend to focus admittedly on drive, on, you know, you're not hungry enough for it. But I love that. I just wrote it down uh, that those, when you find people who have no written goals, it's generally because they have unclear motivation. And I'll tell you, Brian, I have uh, some history of that myself, of being not quite clear. I was driven. Uh, I was innovative. I was a, a risk taker, but my motivations were not clear. And I had some baggage to get rid of finally, somewhat, somewhat like the stories you're talking about. Uh, so that's um, uh, great. It's a, it's a good quote there. Um, well, it's, I'll be honest with you. Goal, drive without clearly defined goals equals anxiety. Mm. 
And, and I, if you look at right now, stress and anxiety is the number one malady dealt with. The three most prescribed drugs in America are antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact of the matter is, as simple as this sounds, and it sounds overly simplistic, but the fact of the matter is, you got to research it out. I, that's how I discovered Lutais, because Lutais was the master of how to set goals. And then he would also he would teach you how to set goals, but then he'd say, okay, write out what happens if I don't reach this goal, and what happens if I do. 80% of people have the fear of failure, uh, or, sorry, the fear of success more than they have the fear of failure. So it, a goal always seems optional. Yeah, I've got potential. Yeah, I've got a goal, but it always sounds like something I want to do. And Lou Tice exposed me to the concept, write out what happens if you don't reach this goal. Well, my goodness, if I hadn't pursued my goals, my parents wouldn't have been able to retire. My, they wouldn't have been able to travel the world. My kids wouldn't have been able to pursue their dreams. You know, yada, yada, I certainly wouldn't be doing this business that I'm passionate about today. Mm-hmm. All of these incredible negative things would have happened in my life if I, if I hadn't written these goals. And so when I write a goal, and some people think, and, and, and someone might think of this of you, Tom, is that in order to be positive and to be a motivator, you can never embrace anything that's negative. But sometimes negative motivation is every bit as powerful as positive motivation. So here's what I want to achieve. Here's what happens if I don't do it. You know, okay, I need to lose 40 pounds. Well, that'd be nice. What if I don't? I'm going to have diabetes. I'm going to have high blood pressure. I'm going to die at 48 and not be able to be around my kids. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's better than you have the heart attack and away you go. You know, Drew Carey. The, the guy who does The Price is Right, comedian, struggled with his weight for 20 years. He finally uh, marries a woman with a little kid. He's playing in the backyard, and he's, he's literally grasping his chest, out of breath, and he has, a, he has a, an example in front of him of this beautiful little boy that he's become his dad, and he's like, I'm not going to be around for this guy. That motivated him, and he's, he's lost weight and been thin and fit for the last 10 years. Nothing wrong with that. So what if you do and what if you don't? I'm glad you mentioned Drew Carey because there's a guy named Drew Carey who calls every year and orders a performance planner from us. Wow. Same guy. Yep. His his book that he recommends to everybody is See You at the Top, and I know you've read that a time or two. I've read it. I've read it in multiple languages. <laughs> <laughs> when my kids wanted to learn Spanish, that's the first book I got them in Spanish. That's brilliant, actually. Good story. That's a good idea. I got. I, I might. I might steal that one. Thank you. I got to tell this story because you brought it up. It's. I'm at this event. It's an Amway event. There are thirty six thousand people there. Wow. So we have eighteen thousand. Well, we have twenty thousand in one auditorium, sixteen in the other. It's in Salt Lake City, the Delta Center, and the Salt Palace. Dad was a secret. So they made us put tablecloths over the product table. They bring everybody out. We set up. People are rushing back in to get their seats. And this guy runs in. He looks over at our table. And one of the tablecloths had moved. And he could see our product. And he goes, is Zig Ziglar going to be here? And so I gave him the shh, you know, quiet. And he came over and he said, is he going to sign autographs? And I said, yes, he is. He goes, where? And I go, at the end of that table. He goes, okay, I'm going to go get in line. I go, dude, it's, it's 5 o'clock. Dad speaks at 12, which means he won't go on stage until 1 in the morning, which means he won't be done until 2. The guys, and, and I said, they don't even know he's coming. He says, I'm standing in line. This guy gets in line. Smart. 
Two hours later about, I go over and I say, what's your story? He's standing in a line that nobody knows about. Yeah. And in broken English, he said this. He said, I came to America for the, for the dream. I moved to Chicago. He's from Central America. He was speaking, you know, Spanish. He said, I told my brother after three months that I wanted to be successful and I needed to learn English. And my brother gave me the book, See You at the Top. Mm-hmm. He said, translate this from English to Spanish. Learn it in English. You'll learn English and it will change your life. And then the guy starts crying. And he says, because of this book and your dad, it saved my marriage. I was an alcoholic. Now I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and how many, here's the deal. Your dad is getting to hear a lot of those stories now that he never heard of. Amen. You know? And that's the beauty of it. And I'll be honest with you. Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, uh, Og Mandino, those are the reasons I do what I do today. And... Uh, you know, I feel a responsibility to, you know, my life changed. The directory, I'm a fifth generation painter and decorator son. Who Everybody did what their father did and their father did and their father did and their father did. I came here with 92 bucks, got in a motorcycle accident, and I had $252,000 in debt as a 19-year-old, 7,000 miles away from home. And what got me out of that hospital bed and what got me out of that debt was the stuff I put in my head and my heart. And transform me to live a life that I could retire at the age of 28 and never work another day in my life. I mean, that's fairy tale stuff, except it's not. And so one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I, you know me, I, I have promoted and talked about your dad and what he's done and his programs uh, to this day, to this day. And one of the reasons I'm here today. Well, and we're grateful recipients, man. Thank you. These uh, folks, if you're not inspired by now. As they say, check your pulse. Um, your next, your next piece here. I want to hit on methodologies. And sure. you know, when I looked at that, I think that's not that. There's, there's other words that um, people are more used to. That's, that's one. So I looked at method. So folks, method. It's a way of doing something. A careful or organized plan that controls the way something is done. So Brian, you led off with mindset, motivation, and our focal point and the fuel in essence, but now you hit on method, the vehicle for getting there, the crux. So you claim you even stated in your, some of your content methodologies sustain us. Give us some more on that. Well, I, you know, like I say, motivation can get you going, right? So you get fired up, but there's many people who get motivated and they start stuff and then they stop. Yep. Um, so the next thing is the first part about methodologies would be systems. And I, there's a little acrostic I have there when I'm teaching that says system. If you drive, if you wrote it down vertically, it says save yourself time, energy, and money. Here's the thing. Bill Gates built a system for a computer. I don't need to go and invent a system to operate my computer. Right. Someone who's been there before who was an expert at it, and they did it. Well, so the key is the smart guy goes and finds out who's been there before, who's had the wisdom, who's had the, who's, who has the system. So for me... We develop systems on how for people to generate customers. We developed a system for them. So people come to us and they go, I want the system. The, the, the methodologies is a big thing. You know, it's interesting. Warren Buffett, uh, I don't know if you've heard about him. He's done pretty well. Yeah, and um, they, he was in an interview. You know, he does his, stock, his uh, shareholder meeting all the time. And uh, so he was asked here last year, they go, 
what is the key to business? And he goes, the key to business, all business, the key to personal economies and the key to world economies is productivity. So he went into this, okay, the Greeks want to have this lifestyle, but their productivity is two-thirds less than the Germans. So it's about productivity. And about, in individuals, it's about productivity. And about companies, about productivity. So they said, well, what's the key to productivity? And he said, training, systems, and motivation. This is the greatest investor in the world. So what's he saying with training? Training is the routines, the habits. Okay, the system means you can be consistent. I don't know about you guys, but the hardest thing in life is being consistent, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And so systems are those things that can keep you on track in a business sense. Routines, you know, I I did a program years ago with a guy named Tony Schwartz. Tony wrote the bestseller, The Power of Full Engagement. I don't know if you guys have ever had a chance to read that. But that book with Jim Lair... They studied some of the top athletes in the world and what they did and how they did it. And they broke it down to these routines that these guys had and how they rested and how they recovered. And that's what led to their performance. And then lastly, the habit. And the habit is to take the routine and to do it so ritualistically that it becomes part of what you do. It's like brushing your teeth. Most people don't have to think about brushing their teeth. They do the same thing. And yet studies have shown most people brush their teeth almost exactly the same every single day. So for me, I'm telling you that I'm at the highest performance I can be when I am routinized to such a degree that it's just a habit. And I'm not even thinking about it. When I'm doing stuff on autopilot, I'm not even thinking about it. Well, Are you that, guys hearing that noise, by the way? Yes. Okay, so for disclosure, uh, I, I, I broadcast the Ziegler Show from up here at 9,000 feet above sea level. And we are getting pummeled by snow and sleet. So, so sorry. It's boiling on the edge of the window. <laughs> I have no recourse whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is awesome. Sorry, folks. We're in San Diego, bro. It's I know. 82 today. I know. I was out golfing right after this. I was out there a month ago running with my shirt off and uh, here I am in a, in a, stinking snowstorm so there you go candy folks i thought was sneaking a candy bar while i was doing the routine speech (laughs) Uh, well thanks for pulling that out there you go folks there's the brian it's always 82 in san diego that's true (laughs) that's true well okay so last thing here i wanted to ask you you talked about you're an immigrant and you talked about immigrants you cited and i have always appreciated this thomas stanley studies that claimed uh, that at one point, 85% of millionaires in the last 20 years in America are immigrants. I heard one recently that said immigrants are five times more likely to become millionaires uh, than the norm. But we get the point, and there's an aspect there of of hunger. And here we are, and we've hit this in multiple shows. It's just come up, Brian, where we yeah. are in a very affluent, very comfortable world here in the United States of America. I'm here. My kids are here. And I realize that. And we look at that and go, how do we create that hunger and that eyesight for opportunity that you saw when you came here, when we are not immigrants, we don't have your story. We were born here. We don't have a whole lot of trial and tribulation. How do you wake up that drive? Well, uh, and I'll do a shameless plug here for a second, because um, I recently did a show, a podcast called the immigrant edge. And it spelled E, immigrant with an E, which is the person who leaves. Mm. Okay. Well, today we have a lot of discussions about immigration and immigrants and this and that. But an immigrant is the person who leaves. And the focus in America is always because it's the person who comes in. Mm-hmm. But um, so if people get a chance to listen to that, it's, it was among the most popular talks I've ever given. And people said, you got to do a podcast on that. It's actually one of the reasons 
we developed the Brian Buffini show in the first place because I'm like, a lot of people want to hear this. I'm going to do it. So that's kind of what led me down this trail. But basically, I've been studying this for a long time. And it was interesting because it was in 1986 at a success seminar where Zig Ziglar said that people who immigrate to this country are far more likely to succeed than people born here. And I'm like, well, that applies to me. I'm 19 (laughs) years old. I'm broke. I got a broken leg. I like this. I went to Zig Ziglar's conference with, with crutches and a broken leg from a motorcycle accident. So what I did was became very intentional at that point on of studying people who'd come to this country and who become the rags to riches story. And how many stories have you heard? I came here with 42 bucks and I came here with 90 bucks. I mean, how many stories have you guys heard? Thousands of them. So I started becoming a student, not just of my own journey, but of other immigrants like me. And, and there's this commonality. There's almost this brotherhood. When I meet someone who didn't grow up here and we connect and we interact. And so I broke it down to seven traits that I've seen from people who are, you know, whether it be the owner of the Sacramento Kings or Sergey Brin, who's one of the founders of Google, or, uh, you know, all of these different people who've achieved these enormous levels of success, down to the, the Serbian contractors that I hang out with here in my local town of San Diego, who've become millionaires and have never made more than, you know, 60 grand a year. So the first one is an openness to learn. The second one is a do-what-it-takes mentality. The third is a, is a desire and, and a willingness to outwork others, okay? It actually requires, you know, overalls and work. Uh, the next is a heartfelt spirit of gratitude. The next one is a boldness to invest. The next one is a willingness to delay gratification. Not a very popular, my infomercial is not selling real well. You know, guys, with the delay gratification infomercial. And then number seven is remembering where you came from, which is keeping perspective. And, and here's what I can tell you. You know, I grew up five boys and a girl. We had five boys in a nine-by-nine room. We had no heat in our home. Uh, my grandparents would live with us on the weekends. So there was 10 people in one house with one bathroom and no heat. I mean, the good news was you never got a cold seat when you went to the toilet. I mean, there's always, a, there's always an upside, right? Absolutely. But we grew up in this tiny house, didn't have any resources, didn't have any money. We were the only people in our whole neighborhood with a phone uh, through the entire 70s. Um, which was just not, not, was common. And so we didn't know we were poor because everybody was in the same state we were in. But I can tell you this, my kids have grown up in 10,000 square foot homes and flying on private jets and this and that and the other. Here's the thing I'm going to say, because this, this worried me. Would my kids' circumstance rob them of mm-hmm. that which was the thing that made me the most? And here's what I'm going to say to you. My kids are the children of a multimillionaire who have an immigrant mindset. My daughter rides million-dollar horses in dressage to go to the Olympics, but she's up at 6 o'clock at night and goes till 7 o'clock every day, mucking out stables and doing this and doing that. I went down to the barn here recently, and one of the Mexican handlers came up to me, and he broke his arm. He has four kids, and he's the sole provider for his family. He said, I want you to know your daughter came in every morning at 5 o'clock and did my work for me so that the boss of the owner of the barn wouldn't know that I broke my arm. Now, here's the thing. I'm telling you that story not as a self-aggrandizement. I'm telling you that story is that this gal's grown up with, with a silver spoon environment, but she doesn't have a silver spoon mentality. Mm-hmm. And that these immigrant edge traits are transferable. And they, they're transferable. Those principles 
are transferable beyond circumstances. My kids have not known. My kids love to go to Ireland. They love to sleep up in the attic. Me and the boys converted the attic so we could sleep together because there's only so much methane that you should ever consume in your life. <laughs> and so we converted our attic, attic into a bedroom. And my kids go there and they want to sleep in the attic and they do this. But they all have the work ethic and they all have the mindset. And when you meet my kids, they have this spirit of gratitude and they come from that place. So these are principles that can be taught. And principles can be taught and transferred generationally. And I think more than anything else, culturally, this is kind of what part of my mission is right now. I believe a little bit of what's going on in America and in Canada to some degree, people have forgotten where they come from. And because they become, they've forgotten where they come from, it's easy to look at people who are coming here and going, these guys are taken from us and these guys are doing this and these guys are doing that. I think it really gets down to how open are you to learn, you know? How, what kind of a do-what-it-takes attitude? Do you stop when there's the first problem? When you have the first failure, do you give up? Do what it takes. When you're an immigrant, here's the thing. I had no way back. Uh, you guys ready? I know we're way over. Can I tell you guys a story? Please. I come to the States. I get in this motorcycle accident. I, I have three grapefruit in my refrigerator. This is no exaggeration. And I have never told this story anywhere. So I need a job. Right across where I was, I was renting a room, there was a photo mat, and it said, help wanted. So I come walking in on crutches with my leg and a cast up to my hip. I walk in the door, and the manager goes, what are you here for? I said, I'm here for the job. She goes, I don't need cripples. I need people who can work. This was the intro. She goes, um, have you ever worked in photography? I go, yes. She goes, have you ever developed photography? I said, extensive background in photography. Um... She goes, okay, well, we are dire need, so we leave here tonight, and I want you to work the black and white machine. So she puts me down at this machine. Now, I have never, I, 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 I want to tell you about my photographic background. I was raised Catholic. My father had six kids confirmation, which happens when you're about 12 years old, on one roll of film. <laughs> okay? It was a seven-year period of time. That's as true as I'm sitting here. One roll of film for seven years. And now I'm the black and white expert at Film Express in Hillcrest in San Diego. So I go in there. The equipment's older. And I go, ma'am, this equipment's a lot older than what I was trained on. Oh, now Pinocchio has got the seven-foot nose going here. Yeah. And I said, can you give me a run-through on this equipment? It's just a lot more archaic than what I know. I stayed up all night. And I would tell you, my first photographs were more black than black and white, just so you know. And I stayed up all night. I was supposed to go home at 11 o'clock. I worked through the night, and I, I hid all the paper that I blew, that the extra prints on. And the next morning when this gal showed up, all the black and whites were done. The next night, I didn't have to work till 6 in the morning. I got it done at 5 in the morning. I was supposed to be done at 11. And I just did whatever it took, just whatever it takes. You know, sometimes as an immigrant, you've got nothing to fall back on. It's like, oh, you know, I just I can move back in with mom and dad. And, you know, I can just take out a line of credit. And I'll just take out a student loan. You know, nothing's happening for me. When you're an immigrant, you've got nowhere else to go. You've got to make it a little bit. Even if you're going to fail, you have to make it a little bit so you can afford your way back home. So do what it takes. A willingness to outwork others. You know, get up early, show up on time. I have all these contractors. We're remodeling our house. Half the contractors... They say they'll be there at 7 o'clock. They're there. They say they'll finish this time. They're there. I have referred these guys 
to a dozen properties, my properties, commercial buildings. The other guys, they don't show up. They don't follow through. They don't finish the job. They're complaining about the economy. Mm-hmm. Our willingness, a spirit of gratitude. I, I want to say this, you know, the attitude of gratitude your dad talked about. You know, Cicero said this, that gratitude is not only the greatest of all virtues, it's the parent of all virtues. Mm-hmm. You've got to have this spirit of gratitude. and Be thankful for what you have, not focus on what you don't have. And so a boldness to invest. Don't be chicken. As soon as you get ahead, okay, how can I grow it? How can I do better? And then delay gratification. I had a home before this home. It was 10,000 square feet. I'd lived in it for two and a half years. One of my managers comes to my home one day, and there's two rooms in the house that have no furniture in it. And he's looking around, and he's like, everything okay, boss? <laughs> like, am I going to have a job? Are you broke? What's going on? I go, no, it's just not in the budget right now. And we had young kids. They, they loved the fact they could tumble and roll in the room. Now, years later, my wife is custom making furniture in her Hawaii house. But we delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. Delayed gratification. We only went on vacations that we could pay for before we went. We said we weren't going to get into debt. And that really hampered our style and hindered our style. But delayed gratification. Um, you know, Zig has some pretty strong phrases on that, right? Mm-hmm. You can have everything you want, right? Yep. yep. So again, those things. And then remember where you came from, keep perspective. So I, I know I'm rattling on there, but that's a pretty touchy subject for me mm-hmm. because here's the thing. This country that I became a citizen by choice is a nation of immigrants. This, the best and the brightest and the hungriest from all over the world came to this place mm-hmm. and built it into something really special. And we have to understand that those principles are transferable. And if you're born here in the States, that's in your DNA. And the truth of the matter is, here's the question I'd love to leave everyone listening to today with. If I had one chance and one message I would like to leave the people, is this. You think of your ancestor who paid the price to come here. And what would they do with the opportunity you face with? What would they do with your circumstances? What would they do with your job? What would they do with your business? What would they think of your opportunity? You know, I married an African-American gal. Half of our family, their great-great-grandfather was a slave. Their great-grandfather was a sharecropper from South Carolina. And I I say to them all the time, what would Solomon think of your opportunity? Someone survived a slave ship so that their great-great-great-grandkids, what would they do with it? How would they apply it? And so I would say, anybody listening to this podcast, you think back to someone in your lineage and your heritage Maybe you don't even know who they were, who paid a price. And what would they think of your opportunity? And what what would they do with your opportunity? And how much would they make of your opportunity? And that's what the emigrant edge is to me. So you hear that, kids? That's my kids. They're going to be listening to this later. Uh, (laughs) Seriously. It's so, so, so much wealth. Brian, thank you. Folks, so uh, here's where you need to tune in because I know you want to hear more and you want to get engaged with Brian. The Brian Buffini, that's B-U-F-F-I-N-I, the Brian Buffini show.com. You can go there. Now, of course, those of you who are listening here are familiar with iTunes and Stitcher and wherever else you may get it. Just go in there, search for the show. Uh, Brian Buffini.com is where you can get engaged with him. And you, you, you mentioned the, uh, the, uh, uh, what was, what was the video? The immigrant, uh, edge. 
Hammer Grenades. Yeah, I, that's a it's it's a podcast. They can listen to that for free. It's a podcast. Okay, it's not it's not a video. I thought I actually might yeah. have seen that, but I did see. You've got a bunch of stuff. Go to YouTube. Type in Brian Buffini. You'll find a good number of, of stuff there. Uh, Brian, this needs to be the first of multiple interviews. You game? Great. Okay. Love you guys. Appreciate the opportunity to be with you, Tom. Appreciate you carrying on the legacy, and it's a it's a legacy worth living. Because here, just like I said here. The principles your father taught are 100% transferable. And I love what you're doing with them. And Kevin, it's been great to meet you. Principles last, and they'll continue to last for a long time. And, and, and uh, they work. And they're not, they're not fads and they're not trendy. They, uh, they, they are beyond time. So uh, I'm excited to be part of uh, being on this podcast with you guys today. Fantastic, Brian. You blessed us today. Yes, thank you so much. Folks, there you go. We bring you the best of the best. Thanks for tuning in to The Ziggler Show. We'll talk with you in the next one.